Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. As I'm sure most of our listeners know, actor Wilford Brimley died last week at the age of 85. As I presume many of our listeners don't know, Brimley was a serious recreational poker player, having competed in the WSOP main event several times. Although he didn't just barely miss out on making the final table about 20 years ago, as I saw misreported somewhere. According to official records, he never made the money. Anyway, RIP Wilford Brimley. John, do you have a favorite Wilford Brimley role? Uh, boy, I'm not a big movie buff, uh, so I'm lucky, I guess, that I did love Cocoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the funniest part about that movie, and it's a theme of the elderly longing for one last shot at youth, and uh, copy that, by the way, <laughs> uh, is that when the movie was released, uh, 1985, uh, there was uh, Brimley was supposedly an old codger like the rest of the cast, right? So Don Amici from Trading Places and many better movies than that uh, was 77. Uh, Jessica Tandy was 76. Hume Cronin was 74. Jack Guilford was 77. Uh, Codger Wilford was, uh, he was 50. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what the real old timers thought about the upstart. It was the age of some of their kids or their nephews or their nieces. Yeah. So it's a good movie, although actually the two Twilight Zone versions of a similar Kick the Can, uh, both are better. Um, and Eric, I played Kick the Can at my bus stop in grammar school. And uh, you no more need an instructional video to play that game than you do another beloved favorite of my youth. And uh, I'm not making this up. It was called uh, Kill the Guy with the Ball. So, uh, <laughs> it was good, clean fun. I, I swear it was. Well, I, you know, I know I am a bit younger than you, but not so much younger than you that I don't know and haven't played both of those games. Except really? our version of Kick the Can, we used a kickball, not a can. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, it's not quite authentic, but I did love that game. It was a great, great game we played over the summer in the park near our house all the time. Um, and uh, 
kill the what did you call it kill the kill the guy with the ball yeah. kill the guy with the ball was called kill the carrier uh for mine yeah, there was also a very politically incorrect alternative title smear the something that rhymes with smear which hopefully nobody uses that uh, that that title anymore but uh, yeah that was a, that was a recess favorite it was basically someone had a tennis ball and you're just trying to tackle that person and then they throw it up in the air and whoever gets it gets tackled and at a certain point you realize the goal should be not to ever get the ball exactly yeah, yeah it's uh, we had a game called British Bulldog where uh, uh, you have uh, like say 15 boys are on one end and then one guy usually one of the more the bigger kids he's standing there and he He's going to tackle one kid. And then, uh, so now there's two of them and they're going to go after the 14 of them. So they team up and get another kid or two kids maybe. And then eventually you got like 12 kids with four running at them, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was pretty entertaining, but yeah. And did you really want to get near the end? Cause, uh, how many people do you want to get tackled by is what it comes down to. Right. Right. No, no, that, that part's not fun at, at all. Um, but going, going back to Wilfred Brimley, that was a fun little, uh, uh side topic there. But, uh, I, I kind of thought I was expecting possibly you were going to throw out there the, the natural, um, which a lot of people associate uh, him with, but uh, I, I, people have mixed feelings on that, and I, I haven't seen it in, in a, since I was a kid, so I really don't know. I don't really have an opinion on how good or, or not good that movie is, but I feel like it's it's kind of polarizing. People either love it or they think it's kind of stupid. I don't know if you have a, a strong opinion. Yeah, I'm on it. kind of in between. There are great scenes in it, and then there are you know terrible segues a uh, little bit Forrest Gump like I would say yeah that's a good comparison um, yeah so that that's one of the first things I think of with Wilford Brimley uh, I also think of uh, the 80s TV series Our House which I watched regularly where again he was only like 52 but playing the the 60 something grandpa um, and of course the Quaker Oats commercial uh, but uh, but the, you know the first thing that I think of also is, is Cocoon um, and uh, and a particular line I've quoted over the years about how hard his equipment was during sex with his wife, thanks to the alien assistance. I won't quote the exact line, but if you know the movie, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've blocked that out of my mind, thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah, you don't want to think about Wilfred Brimley's equipment? At least, uh, hey, it was only actually, you know, it was only 50, whatever was going on down there. It's not like mm-hmm. thinking about a 60-something guy, but uh, okay, I think I should probably change the subject. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 103 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 102 episodes, They're all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating because, as Wilfred Brimley would say, it's the right thing to do and the tasty way to do it. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Yeah, coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by our U.S. Bets colleague, Chris Altruda. Uh, He's the company's Chicago area correspondent, and he's going to talk about the various hiccups in the rollout of mobile sports betting in Illinois, which has been a big national topic. And we're going to talk a little NFL and also get Chris's thoughts on when a casino might be coming to Chicago, which really interests me especially. Um, First, it's been a pretty busy news week in the world of gambling and a very busy week in the world of sports. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We've seen betting-focused game broadcasts in local markets. Our guest last week, Brad Feinberg, provides analysis for the NBC Sports Philly 76ers games. But this week, the NBA announced the first betting-themed broadcasts on a national scale. 
In partnership with BetMGM, NBA Digital is now offering its BetStream broadcast for nine games on NBA TV and NBA League Pass with various betting experts as analysts and graphics on the screen showing the updated odds, all of which are provided by MGM, of course. This is not exactly a new innovation at this point, but it is new to sports fans in many of the NBA's markets. Particularly with the weirdness of these empty arena bubble broadcasts, this seems like the perfect time to distract viewers and try something like this. So, John, what are your thoughts on it? And do you see the NBA as the most forward-thinking sports league getting deeper and deeper into this and making bet streams available throughout the playoffs and maybe in every game option next season? Well, there's no way I can resist noting that. I believe it was just last week that the NBA, along with the NFL and three similar sports organizations, they continued in court to insist in the New Jersey sports betting sequel that I call Comes the Horseman, uh, that they all truly believe what they said in depositions in 2012 and later in in a key filing in 2014, that really a Jersey Shore racetrack called Monmouth Park being allowed to offer sports betting for a mere four weeks while a federal judge considered whether to issue a restraining order against the horsemen, that would cause irreparable harm to the reputation of all those sports among sports fans. Wow. Um, so Las Vegas couldn't do in 60 years of trying, apparently, these wily Central Jersey horsemen could topple the entire house of cards. Right. You know, now, I've read many tens of thousands of pages of court documents over the decades, and self-reflection never seems to be an option for any attorneys. But Part of me just wishes the leagues had said, okay, look, this was the worst prediction in the history of sports, but it doesn't matter legally. All that matters is that we believed it, and, uh, and I think that works, actually, in terms of the $150 million lawsuit by the horsemen. But it'll never happen. So uh, end that rant. Uh, back to your question. Um, I agree it's a smart experiment. Uh, the NBA is savvy enough to do the proper market research. You know, How far can they push this envelope to generate incrementally more revenue without ticking off some, some of their base? Um, I found that many gamblers, I think, underestimate how many diehard sports fans there are. They go all their lives without placing a single bet. I mean, they're gambling with their hearts, really. And that's more than enough for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true. But uh, I think uh, there are also those people who uh, start out that way and eventually uh, give the sports betting a shot. And and we're seeing more and more of them uh, pop up. Uh, and I, I would count myself kind of in that category. Not that I had never placed a sports bet before, but I wasn't really too into it until it came legally to my state and became easy to do. And uh, now I do it on a casual but regular basis. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch any bet stream broadcast, but I have seen several of the ones NBC Philly has done. And I really enjoy them for relatively inconsequential games. You know, for a random regular season game, they're great. Whether you're actually betting the game or just interested in thinking about the betting while you watch. I think if it's a playoff game with personal significance to you, and this comes into to what you uh, were referencing there with how these the fans are sort of uh, already have a lot at stake, already bet with their heart, you know, then you'd rather hear the game called as a game, not as a vessel for sports betting. Uh, But, you know, for most of the national audience, uh, seven out of eight first round playoff series don't have that personal significance. For me, you know, it's it's only Sixers games where I want to watch as a pure fan. And if I'm watching jazz versus Rockets or whatever, I'm happy to focus on the betting. Um, But all that said, I kind of doubt they'll do it during the playoffs this year. It feels like probably something they're rolling out during these couple of weeks of uh, extended regular season games. And then they'll probably uh, quit with the experiment for now, but then I definitely expect it to be available more and more next season. And 
eventually I could see every game on NBA League Pass having a bet stream option if they have enough commentary crews to handle it all. And that's kind of comes down to if the sports books are bankrolling it and covering the cost for those commentary crews and production crews, uh, then I think the NBA will do it. I think they can try it with Bucks Nets in the first round, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> I guess if that's a first round matchup, yeah, they might need they you might need the spread to keep yeah. that game remotely Absolutely. interesting for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, yeah. the real life uh, example that we saw th- this week suggests uh, the Nets are maybe a live underdog against the Bucks, but uh, well, well, we'll get to that in the bankroll segment. I think probably that was more fluke than uh, repeatable occurrence. Okay, so moving on. Most weeks in the past two months, we've covered casino reopening somewhere. And this week we go to Detroit, where the three downtown commercial casinos got clearance from Governor Gretchen Whitmer last week to open as soon as this Wednesday. And all three of them did to varying degrees. Motor City Casino opened for all customers at 10 a.m. Wednesday. Greektown Casino opened to VIP Gold Card customers at 10 a.m. Wednesday and the general public at 2 p.m. And MGM Grand Detroit opened only to invite-only VIP customers on Wednesday and Thursday and will welcome any and all on Friday. However, none of them are totally welcoming any and all. There's a significant restriction on the number of customers who can enter at a time. While other states have limited capacity to 50% or 25%, at the Detroit casinos, it's a 15% cap, the lowest reported occupancy cap in the nation. Hollywood Casino in nearby Toledo, Ohio is allowed 50%. Some of the tribal casinos in Michigan are going as high as 80%. Uh, But uh, as our newest colleague, Rafe Bartholomew, who was on the ground at the casinos on Wednesday wrote, The expectation is that the cap will rise closer to 50% once the safety measures have proven to be effective. John, what do you make of this 15% cap? Is is Whitmer being too cautious? Uh, And on a related note, how brutal is it that Detroit sports books are now open and the Red Wings aren't playing, the Pistons aren't playing, and the Tigers stink? Uh, well, I, I went to 11 reopened casinos and two reopened racetracks last month, and I'm pretty certain that Governor Whitmer did not. So uh, I'm going to claim the expert hand on this. Um, okay. I see basically zero evidence that 15% is better than the 25% that New Jersey and Connecticut casinos are using. Uh, in fact, in a city as large as Detroit, you increase the chances of lines forming outside of casinos at peak hours, mm. which is about as bad as having more people in casinos and maybe worse. So that doesn't make much sense. Um, even moving from 25 to 50%, I think at this point that might not matter much in the Northeast right now because, well, you know, we're collectively kind of gun shy for obvious reasons that have happened in the past five months. Um, so they should have started the 25 in Michigan and, and yes, gotten to 50 fairly quickly. Um, it's not that difficult with one or two main entrances to temperature check everybody. Um, Security has been good at these casinos. They keep a, a watchful eye on making sure people don't slip with the masks. Um, they're not serving alcohol in New Jersey or Connecticut. So um, that, uh, simplifies matters Mm -hmm. so as far as uh the the Detroit teams um I think the Tigers won a few games early and uh it's baseball any given day you never know and I think that betting volume should be fine yeah I guess I guess for the for the Tigers it probably will be but the fact that they're the local teams in the two sports that are entering their playoff bubbles and all that the fact that those teams weren't even invited is a you know a temporary only hit uh, obviously to uh to what Detroit sports books would be capable of. And I more or less agree with your attitude about the 15% cap, except this notion that it is 
only temporary and perhaps only very brief, um, you know, gives, makes me feel better about it because uh, yeah, certainly when I first heard the number, 15% cap, that's, that's onerous. That's, that's ridiculous. There's no reason to go lower than 25%. Um, but, you know, once I read from Rafe's reporting that it's just a starting point and the plan is to go up from there, made me okay with it. Um, you know, they, they've been closed for more than four months. So I figure at this point, let's say it's for two weeks, they're trying this out. Two weeks of slightly reduced revenue relative to what they could be making isn't going to be make or break. And I will say that America as a whole has proven that it can't be trusted with the full green light to reopen. It, it, there is value in doing it slowly, gradually with rules and restrictions. Um, but you're absolutely right. I don't think 15% is any safer than 25%. 25% seems to be working elsewhere as long as all the other precautions are in place. So t for me, it comes down to, you know, is this temporary and how temporary is it? You know, if you're basically just saying to the casinos and the patrons, show me you can do this, you can follow the rules and keep it distance and safe, and then, then we'll increase your numbers, then I, I think that's fine. But if uh, a month or two passes and the number is still at 15%, then I will absolutely jump to the other side and say that Whitmer is being too cautious. But, you know, as we've said, once you get up to 25%, that's really only restricting you during peak weekend hours. Most of the week, 25% is plenty. It's, it's normal casino capacity, really. But yeah, even so, 15%, I'm not, I'm not sure what more you're really accomplishing with, with, by going from 25 to 15. And you did raise a, a good point that I hadn't thought about. If it's causing long lines of people gathering outside, then, then it's defeating the purpose. Well, yeah, that is, I, I think of this because I saw the, the only issue I really saw in New Jersey or Connecticut was the Meadowlands Racetrack on its, uh, its reopening night. Um, they had everybody fill out like a 20 question survey on, you know, um, do, you, do you feel sick? Are you, you know, are you coughing a lot or whatever? And as people were confused about that, they can't find a pencil. They're all stacked up like cordwood. And then one knucklehead doesn't have a mask on. And uh, right. people are standing a, a foot apart from each other asking questions. And it, it was brief. So I don't, you know, I didn't expect a uh, breakout and there was. But uh, it, it can be a problem. And so in a way, you know, Detroit should probably be at 33% to start and maybe cut to 20%, you know, a little later because uh, the, the, the built up pent up demand is there early. So I'll be curious to see if they have any issue with lines that I've not heard of about any, any at all in New Jersey or Connecticut. Right. And, and then there's the question of, of whether, you know, any lines that we're seeing whether that's because there are people waiting to get in because they've hit capacity or whether it's because it just takes a little while to get everyone in as they go through the, the safety checks. I think there are gonna, there's some degree of lining up no matter what, but uh, yeah, you're right. That, that if indeed they're hitting 15% capacity and then you have a line of people just standing there waiting for five people to leave so that five people can go in, then, then you're, you're creating extra unnecessary problems. I would certainly oh, agree with that. Yeah. All right. We finished the news section with the latest sports book mispricing controversy. A few weeks ago, we talked about betters taking advantage of a Vegas sports book, not recognizing that Korean baseball games had already started when people were betting pregame lines. And of course, there was the infamous case in 2018 of FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey briefly posting a misprice on a Broncos Raiders game. Now it has happened to FanDuel again in New Jersey and Indiana with customers taking advantage of an MLS soccer game that had FC Cincinnati getting five goals 
at a price of minus 134, which normally you'd have to pay a hefty price, maybe 10 to one or more to get five goals in a soccer game. As ESPN's David Payne Purdom reported, customers placed big bets, uh, included this game in parlays, et cetera, at land-based FanDuel books in both states. But those bets are being held, not paid out, with the Indiana Gaming Commission declaring the bets will be canceled while New Jersey is still investigating. Daniel Levy, who bet on FC Cincinnati in New Jersey, told Purdom, quote, at some point they need to bear some responsibility. I wonder if Atlanta, which was the opponent of Cincinnati, I wonder if Atlanta would have won 6-0 if I would have received a call to refund my bet, end quote. He makes a great point. If the bet gets voided, the sports books are essentially free rolling when they make a mistake and not being held responsible for those mistakes. And that's what happened in the Korean baseball example. Those bets got voided. What do you think, John? Is it time to make sports books responsible for their own mistakes and allow all bets that are approved when they're made to stand? Well, it's pretty classic. Uh, you know, the the uh, sort of the, the unofficial motto of Indiana is Indiana nice. Everybody's so nice. So, oh, the books seem upset. So we're going to be nice to them, not to the betters, but the, they figure they're being nice to somebody. But, you know, well, FanDuel isn't talking about it these days, but I don't see how this is materially different than that 2018 NFL Broncos Raider, Raiders bet that you, you mentioned. Um, that was live betting, but even so, you know, European books traditionally can void obvious errors, and that's the culture there. The betters accept it, and that's fine. But, you know, gaming regulations are uh, in New Jersey's David Reebuck. Uh, he made it a point of emphasis back then, including at the Global Gaming Expo in Las Vegas that year in front of thousands of people, that these European books better understand basically that welcome to Jersey. He's having none of it and lucky and observant betters got paid. And I expect that to happen again, uh, notwithstanding what Indiana did. Although that makes things complicated, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it certainly does. The, the Indiana factor here. Yeah, I, I mean, I had the same thought that it's going to be interesting to see what Rebeck does because of that precedent from the Broncos game, uh, which would suggest that he will not so gently encourage FanDuel to, to pay out. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect FanDuel to build a whole free money promotion around the payout this time the way they did last time to sort of get some positive press out of it. Right. Uh, but yeah, you, as you point out, it's complicated by the fact that this one happened in multiple states and I don't think FanDuel can be expected to pay New Jersey customers, but not Indiana customers. Um, but at the same time, I'd be surprised if the DG simply decides, nope, the bets are voided. FanDuel is off the hook. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens there. And, you know, it's a fascinating debate. And it's definitely frustrating to see the house in any kind of a no-lose position. You know, it, it's like the Ivy Borgata Baccarat case. The player found an edge. The house let the player have that edge. Uh, the house refused to accept the outcome. But if Ivy runs bad despite his edge and loses, the house wouldn't have had a problem with him, uh, quote unquote, cheating. Uh, and then they would have kept his money. And, and you know, that's what Daniel Levy's quote gets at. Um, if the New Jersey DGE decides not to make FanDuel pay him, it, I, I guess a positive of, of that would be that it would send a message to gamblers that if you see a ridiculous line, leave it alone. Uh, and, and I think in the perfect world, that's what the DGE wants and, and what the sports books want. Um, but I think that gamblers who make that Cincinnati bet and say one time out of 20, it happens to lose, they should be able to complain the, to the DGE that the line was wrong and get their money back, even though the line was wrong in the better's favor. Something has to give here. You, you can't have a situation where the operator screws up and can win 
but can't lose because then that sends the message to the operator that they don't need to work to avoid screw up. So I don't know. It's a really interesting situation. Well, I think it was more interesting two years ago. You know, FanDuel had a stronger case because their European parents are able to say to DGE, oh, gee, you know, this is how it works in Europe. We just assumed it would be the same here. Can't you give us a break? And in theory, New Jersey could have said, all right, this one time we're going to let it go, but now we're going to let you know that the next time not going to happen. And they would have said, you know, yes, sir. Uh, instead, New Jersey just said, you know, you guys guessed wrong. You screwed up. And uh, like I said, welcome to Jersey. And so that, that cleared the decks for everybody. If you put out a bad line, you get burned, you got to pay for it. That's the clear message. So now they screwed up again. They don't want to pay. I think they got to pay. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. On Wednesday, DraftKings Mobile Sportsbook went live in the state of Illinois, but with a catch as you had to go to the Casino Queen retail location in East St. Louis to open an account and East St. Louis is not easy to get to for many Illinois residents, as it's, oh, about a four and a half hour drive from Chicago. Welcome to the wacky world of legalized sports betting in Illinois. Joining us now to try to make sense of it all is our U.S. Bets colleague and Illinois-based correspondent, Chris Altruda. Chris, welcome back to Gamble On. Hey, thanks for having me on, Eric. Uh, so as we discussed on the podcast last week, Governor Pritzker seemingly did a smart thing a couple of months ago when he waived in-person registration for a mobile betting account, but then he did a confounding thing when he let that executive order expire. You're on the ground in Illinois. You've been talking to people. What's your sense as to why this happened and how damaging is this to sports bettors who should be getting active right now as the major sports are returning? The second part first, I don't think there's any doubt that this is just going to hurt in terms of what they could have had, especially if football stays online, at least the NFL stays online and opens and there's no further snafus with baseball, basketball and hockey seem to be going along relatively well at this point. I think one of the things that made this so interesting was that no one knew he was going to suspend the in-person registration provision with the first executive order. And then everyone kind of thought it would be just a fait accompli that he would extend it a second time. So when he didn't, that was equally surprising. Also, especially when you consider that the casinos are at max 50% capacity. So if you're making, if you're banging the drum and in this state, the drum has been banged very hard with regards to staying at home, social distancing, so on and so forth. Why you would let that expire at that point is a bit confounding. And, and, it does make sense that, you know, betters in the state would be frustrated by that. I mean, I've seen some of it on Twitter. You know, so some of my friends have asked me about it. And, I, and, you know, one of the other things is with the mobile betting that is available through Bet Rivers, the geolocation is still an issue. One of my friends lives on the Illinois-Wisconsin border, literally feet from it. And his geolocation is still yet to really kick in mm. on a consistent basis to make bets. And I don't know whether or not that's a widespread thing along state lines. Everywhere. But, yeah, for... Chicago residents making that four and a half hour drive across the state is not really going to be enticing until the Argosy makes get their mobile sports betting license because Alton isn't that far from St. Louis. Right. So, I mean, is there a sense of, of why Pritzker allowed it to uh, expire? I mean, without necessarily, uh, you know, accusing anyone of anything uh, illegal, we don't want to get, uh, we don't want to get sued, but I know people have their suspicions. Do you, do you, are, are there, is there a sense of, of what's going on here? 
I don't think it's it's illegal as much as it is catering to Bet Rivers to mm-hmm. some degree. Everyone seems to think that for for East Coast reference purposes, Rivers Casino is essentially the Borgata of Illinois. That's the best okay. way to describe that casino. Yeah. It it draws in money hand over fist. Churchill Downs owns a majority stake in it, and they've already essentially strangled Arlington Park to the point where there's going to be no sports betting there, and that park will likely be sold. And it's even a question if there will be racing there next year, which is really kind of a shame given its, stat, its status as like one of the Midwestern jewels of horse racing in terms of a track. Yeah, Chris, I'm fascinated by East St. Louis. First of all, I didn't even know there was an East St. Louis, I got to be honest. But, you know, I, I think of New Jersey and uh, you know, Atlantic City is about anywhere two to four hours from people in the New York City, northern New Jersey area. So it's a bit of a schlep, but it's not that bad. And, you know, there are nine casinos and not one. And um, there is the Atlantic Ocean. There is the iconic boardwalk. Um, there are other sort of interesting things to do that people don't talk about. So, um, you know, I can kind of get it, but I'm trying to picture you and your friends either now or 10 years ago, you're at a happy hour on a Friday and somebody says, East St. Louis, who's with me road trip. I mean, does that ever happen? You know, anybody that has ever done that? No, because I, I only know a few Cardinals fans to begin with to, to further the trek into St. Louis. And thankfully none of my friends like toasted ravioli. So <laughs> that's, a, that's another issue with them. It's, it's a hard drive. I mean, even, you know, even discounting the destination, I mean, that's, you know, getting out of Chicago during rush hour is a hassle. Getting into, you know, even getting into Chicago, you know, during rush hour is a hassle. It's going to be far easier to still cross the border into Illinois, do it remotely once you cross over, stop at a rest stop because DraftKings is right there at, a, at Ameristar, I think, and, you know, just turn around and go home. Yeah, yeah, you pay the 560 in the Skyway each way, so that's a bit of a hassle, but I mean, $10 versus, you know, a full tank of gas in each direction because it's, you know, four, was it four and a half hours? It's 300 miles? Yeah. yeah. So well, it, it's really it going to be a no brainer for city residents. Yeah. If it makes Illinois feel any better, you know, think of New York State. So um, <laughs> you had millions of people, tens of millions of people in that region. And the closest place you can bet legally in New York State is at the Catskills Casino, about you know, 100 miles north of New York City. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, that casino hasn't reopened yet. So you can't <laughs> bet on anywhere unless you can go to a Native American casino, you know, hours and hours away. So, uh, you know, comparatively speaking, Illinois is in the same boat as New York. And at least Illinois has partly reopened their casino, they think. So they're ahead in the way, It wasn't only just the reopening of the casino. It was like out of, out of nowhere, you know, William Hill had a soft launch Saturday. No one knew it until they put out a tweet at 1030 Saturday morning. Oh, by the way, we're open. And, <laughs> but, you know, the downside to that was, yes, okay, you, you're, you're now taking retail sports bets. So now you have to ask the, the Illinois Gaming Board to commence online wagering. And only until you get that okay are you then allowed to take registration for huh. mobile sports betting. So when I went there Saturday to just ask around, you know, I, I sat there, so, so can I register? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why? And they, you know, they explained that process to me. And I'm just like, and I'm thinking to myself, there are going to be a bunch of people who show up here because it's only 40 miles outside the city. And they're going to, you know, they're going to get this disappointment. And, I'm going to, and part of me thinks like, well, why are they going to go back there? Or when are they going to go back there mm-hmm. to do it? Because you know, again, you know, leaving the city, you know, it's, it's a hassle. Yeah, it is hard to imagine a, a less smooth rollout than, than what we're seeing right now in <laughs> Illinois. But let, let's change the subject a little and talk some sports. Uh, I know that you're a long-suffering Jets fan. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any other kind? Uh, li- living in no. Chicago. <laughs> um, 
After two decades of the Patriots always being a big favorite to win the AFC East, their grip might be slipping with Brady gone and a lot of players opting out. I see that the latest odds have the Pats and the Bills almost tied. Patriots plus 115 to win the division, Bills plus 125. Then you have the Jets way back there at plus 750 and Miami at plus 850. If you had to bet one of those, Chris, uh, where's your money going? And, uh, you know, on a related note, do the Jets have a chance in your mind at making some noise this season? I would be pounding the Buffalo money line. Okay. I, would, I, I think it's, it's a team, you know, when you look at the, the mass defection the Patriots have had, and you also look at the fact that Buffalo is going to continue to be this run-first team, you know, you're not going to have – you know, Josh Allen is all of a sudden is not going to become the second coming of Joe Ferguson and Jim Kelly. You know, it's still going to be a defense first, hold them under 20, force turnovers team. And it's still going to play well. I mean, you know, New England has a new quarterback. The Jets, you know, Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. He just, you know, we could be his, we could be his triplets <laughs> on third down right. and no one would know the difference. And, you know, Miami is still building. So I I like the idea of Buffalo skinning that division by a game. I mean, it, it could be an ugly division where 10 wins or 11 is enough to do it. But Buffalo has that talent on both sides of the ball to grind those out. And I think that's the difference right now in that division. Okay. And you officially went uh, slightly, bu- slightly before my time with Joe Ferguson. I don't even know who that is. Jim Kelly, <laughs> I certainly remember. But uh, Joe, Joe Ferguson, you might have to ask John about that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or the uh, Dodgers catcher, Joe Ferguson, from the 1970s. There you go. I, I trump both of <laughs> you on that one. Um, yeah, Chris, this week, I knew you were going to be a guest, and so I, I wanted to do some due diligence on the Chicago uh, casino scenario. It's been talked mm-hmm. about for years. But um, uh, of the more than 1 million households that have lost uh, power this week uh, due to the hurricane Superstorm that cannot be pronounced. Eyes uh, something, I don't know, uh, whatever it is. Um, so I'm t- uh, doing this from a hotel room, actually. So uh, I figured, well, what difference does it make? You're the one that would know more about it anyway. So I'll yield the floor to you on there is a casino. There's in Chicago, there's not going to be one. There may be one. Uh, when are we going to find out if there is one? All that kind of stuff. The, there's going to be a downtown casino. Whether or not it's in Mayor Lightfoot's tenure might require a reelection for that to happen. When they passed the fiscal budget in June, they completely rejiggered the tax rates of that of the casino in terms of in terms of taxes and the fact that they're more they're more a 50-50 split in state and city taxes. When they did the original impact study, the effective tax rate was 72% on a high end of 800 million in revenue, which was before they even paid dollar one in payroll and all that stuff. So that was it was a no-go from the start. They did a good job working that, reworking that. There are some issues with the, I mean, right now, I would say that the downtown casino is probably second or third in the list of casinos that will happen. I think the Waukegan one that Bet Rivers and Church of Downs is promoting is going to get approved if for no other reason. It's just, you know, they have everything in place. And at this point, they're just a juggernaut in the state. So I think they're going to get theirs. I think the downtown casino you know, they have to, they have to settle on a location at some point. They, you know, they've talked about five areas. Lightfoot's going to push hard to have it on the South side where, you know, you can, you can draw, you can draw a consistent revenue base from all of the city as opposed to just the North side. So I think, I think a large part of this has to, has to start when they settle on that site and you'll get the usual infighting among the politicians figuring out, you know, how they're going to, you know, make it work for them 
in addition to making it work for the city, because that always seems to be a, t- a tandem approach that is Illinois. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I would suggest if there are any investigative reporters left in the state, um, hopefully they've already gotten a head start on this one because, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you uh, uh, uncover enough rocks in this thing. There's just too much money and it's Illinois. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, I'm sure there are some interesting things that have already happened and some interesting things that have yet to happen. And I'll leave yeah. it at that. Well, that's the, well, that's the other part, because the special session begins in November. And going back to the sports betting point, I am almost fairly positive that with the reinstatement of the in-person provision is that all these casinos are going to be able to go to Springfield and, and you know, present this four month body of evidence saying, look, because of this, we don't have X amount of dollars more that you could have had as tax revenue. And I think there's going there, there it will be, I believe it will be, there will be a hard fight on the floor to remove that in-person registration provision, because by that point, DraftKings will have enough, enough bodies where it won't make a negligible difference. And by that point, you know, FanDuel in theory should be in this market through Fairmount Park if everything continues to go as expected there. Oh, if everything continues to go as expected is a big if uh, in Illinois these, yes. these days, it seems, when it comes to <laughs> sports betting. But uh, hopefully it's all going to get straightened out. And uh, a few months from now, Chris, hopefully you will be able to easily access numerous apps on your phone and comparison <laughs> shop and find the best price on the bills and uh, and get in on that. Uh, but it's uh, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. Hey, thanks for having me on, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, John. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. John got back on the winning track with golf last week. I got back on the losing track with boxing, and our bankroll took a slight dip as a result. Uh, First, the good news. John won $125 on Matthew Fitzpatrick to finish in the top 20 in Memphis. Nice solid hit there as Fitzpatrick tied for sixth. John also took a shot on Rory McIlroy to win it all. That didn't work out, but it was only 10 bucks. Meanwhile, my boxing upset bet on plus 240 underdog Sam Eggington over Ted Cheeseman got cracked. Uh, I I had it pegged right. Uh, Close fight. Good price. But the narrow decision went Cheeseman's way. So the yoke's on me. Sorry. I I promise never to bet another Sam Eggington fight and put you through uh, that sort of torture. Uh, But anyway, we lost uh, $50 there. Uh, We took a much more painful hit on minus 175 favorite Marcos Escudero, who was leading Joe George through eight rounds, then got knocked out by a single vicious uppercut in round nine, costing us $175. That means in total, we lost $110 this week. So we're only in the black by $331. We also have $949 on hold in futures bets. Some of those are looking good, uh, like the Pirates under is looking excellent. The Lakers to finish with more wins than the Raptors is looking pretty good. Uh, Other bets are not looking so good, like my bet last week on the Nets to win under two and a half restart games. Uh, We discussed that upset of the Bucks. I now need them to go 0-4 the rest of the way. Uh, we're, We're not out of it, but... Uh, Boy, I was not expecting them to win that game with that G League team that they trotted out there. Uh, Anyway, lots of futures to track. Uh, It's fun, if not necessarily profitable, to have so many sports back. Uh, We currently have $9,382 available to bet with, and you're up first, John. 
Well, I think I'm practically undefeated in 2020 with 20 somethings to finish in the top 20. Why am I running away from that kind of numbers? So uh, X marks a spot for Xander Shoffley to win his first major at the PGA Championship in San Francisco this weekend. Uh, so I'm going to go 25 on X-Man at plus 1800 to win. I'll note that's down from t- plus 2300 on Tuesday on DraftKings. So the Sharps are pounding this guy. So uh, that can be encouraging sometimes. And give me also 100 at plus 225 that he just places in the top 10. Okay. I like that one. Uh, as I told you before we went on the air, uh, I had a, a little bet boost to work with on DraftKings and uh, took a little shot on Shoffley top 10 myself. So uh, even though I know nothing about golf, uh, that's uh, I'm, I, I'm on board with your picks there. Um, as for my first bet, I'm officially on the Flyers bandwagon and hoping not to jinx the team, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm paying attention to NHL hockey again, as I do whenever my team is in the playoffs. I I used to be an all season long hockey fan, but when I started having kids and uh, when I'd reached about a decade of the Flyers breaking my heart in the playoffs every season, I had to let go of the NHL regular season. Uh, But now I'm back uh, for as long as the Flyers are in it. And they have a nice four o'clock matinee game today against the Capitals. And I found a very fun bet on DraftKings. No goals in the first nine minutes and 59 seconds of the game at plus 110. Uh, this bet would have cashed in the first Flyers round-robin game. It would have cashed in the first Caps round-robin game. You have good goalies here, especially my adopted son, now that I'm on the Flyers bandwagon, Carter Hart, uh, maybe, finally, the star goalie Flyers fans have been waiting 35 years for since Pelly Lindbergh. Uh, so let's bet $100 to win 110 that no goals are scored in the first 10 minutes. It'll make for a tremendously fun sweat. I I love the short, intense sweat, like a horse race or first to 15 points in the basketball game, et cetera. Uh, This will be a, a fun but brief sweat. Yeah, I'm going to try a longer sweat then. Um, I need an NBA playoffs rooting interest. And uh, I agree with the concept that there are three teams that can win the title. So give me 50 on the Clippers to win the title at plus 310. Well, John, I think uh, it shows that uh, your your memory is not uh, quite elephant-like, uh, as we already had. And I'm not, I'm not saying we can't do your bet, but we already had 50 on the Clippers at f- plus 1,400 in the offseason to win That's the okay. title. We'll so, down on that, so, yeah. so we got a little more juice <laughs> at a little bit of a worse price here. But I do think it is actually still pretty good odds. I think if I had to name a title team right now, uh, I would say the Clippers are are still the favorite in in my mind. So uh, all right, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna win that much more when the Clippers uh, take take the title down. Um, and for my second bet, I'm also going to the NBA, uh, but I'm going much more short term. I'm going with an NBA player prop. Uh, for for a single game today trailblazers versus nuggets uh yusuf nurkic has been playing great since coming back from injury in three games he scored 18 30 and 18 points and the books have his over under for this game at 17 and a half and fanduel has pretty low minus 104 juice on the over nurkic is clearly an important part of their offense he's always done well against his former team denver averaging 18.3 points per game against them. The opposing center, Nikola Jokic, is an elite player, but an average at best defender. I think that 30-point game he had was uh, was obviously an outlier, uh, but this line still feels a point or so too low to me. So let's take the over for Nurkic, $104 to win 100. 
And that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Chris Altruda. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please take us out. Well, you know, I decided I did not like my Debbie Downer side last week. And I forget, did we, did we put that little look? Uh, we did, we did indeed. The womp okay. womp was in there, yeah. Womp womp, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so, you know, with the NBA, NHL, and MLS, among others, they really seem to have gotten the hang of this pandemic thing so far. I'm going to be optimistic on that front. And as dumb as MLB was early on, I'm going to call that class half full, too. Now, the NFL, honestly, I still can't quite see it. And NCAA college football, come on. They all need to follow UConn's lead and Division Two and Division Three, and cancel a damn season. Uh, and with that, until next time, everybody, gamble on. <laughs>